Hello and welcome. You're listening to Voices from the Pews, the show that invites you to conversations with Catholics of color and those from communities of non-European origin so that we can get to know more about each other's faith, experiences, and stories. I'm your host, Lorna DeRose. In years past, when we thought about missionaries, what immediately came to mind were priests and religious who left their friends, families, and all that they knew in the United States or Europe to live and share the gospel with people in Central and South America, Africa, and Asia. However, today, missionaries are not only priests or religious, they are also laymen and women who see their mission field as the world. They may go and live in other countries in order to share the good news of Jesus. Last episode, I spoke with Paul Albert, who, along with his wife, served as life team missionaries for six years in Haiti. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, I'd like to invite you to stop here, go back, and listen. Today, missionaries are coming to the United States to repropose the gospel to an increasingly secularized culture. These missionaries are coming from Africa, Asia, as well as from Central and South America. And I have the pleasure of speaking with one such missionary, a friend and colleague in ministry. Jamila Lima Pandolfo is originally from Sierra, Brazil, and is part of the Shalom Catholic community. In addition to being a wife and mother, she serves as evangelization consultant for ethnic communities in the Archdiocese of Boston. I hope you enjoy listening to our conversation. Jamile, thank you so much for being here as part of the podcast. And I'm so excited to be interviewing you today. So I want to say welcome. Well, thank you so much, Lorna, for having me here, for having thought of me to participate here with you. It's an honor. Oh, listen, absolutely. And, um, you know, you and I have worked together for a number of years, but I'd love for you to share with the audience a little bit about yourself. Where did you grow up? A little bit about your family. So my name is Jamile. I am Brazilian. I grew up in Brazil. My family uh, is Catholic. We were all raised Catholic. Uh, I have two brothers that are older than me. I'm the youngest. So some say that I I, I might be spoiled a little bit because I am the youngest and the only girl. <laughs> but I came from a, a beautiful family where my mother is actually part of a missionary Catholic community. And that's how I was introduced to this missionary Catholic community. I was only two months old when my mom met the community. And I was able to be raised in this very warm Catholic environment. And uh, it's a blessing. Now, the Catholic community that your mom encountered is the Shalom Catholic community, 
which was founded in the 1980s. Can you tell us a little bit about the founder and the profound experience that led him to start this apostolate? Yeah, so as I mentioned, my mom, she met the community when I was two months old. It's actually very interesting because she was losing her mother, my grandmother, to cancer. And the community came in this time where she was experiencing a lot of suffering. And my mom was Catholic, but she didn't really have deep experience with Jesus. And she actually didn't know what that really meant. But through the community, she received and she discovered this uh, this opportunity to have a relationship with Christ, which many people, they, they don't even think that this is possible. But my mom discovered this and got closer and closer to the community, obviously also closer to the church, to knowing the doctrine of the church, to knowing the gifts of the Holy Spirit, to know all the beautiful things that we have in our church. And so she joined the community and it was... 1987 so the community was already seven years old very little it was it was just the beginning of everything the community today is 36 years old in that beginning my mom had the opportunity to be really close to the founder of the community and uh, the co-founder and the the first members of the community which was really profound for her for her development and obviously for my own so the founder of the community, he's called Moises Azevedo, and he was only 18 years old when he found the community. And honestly, he didn't have any intention to build a community. And today we are in 22, uh, about 22 different countries and around the world, in Europe, in Asia, in um, South America, North America, Central America. And so he did not Africa. So he didn't think that he would build this. Obviously, it was not him. It was the Holy Spirit. But the way that all this started is that a girl from his school invited him to go on a retreat. And he was actually interested on that girl. He was like, why not? This girl seems to be really nice. Why am I not? begins with a girl. (laughs) A weekend, you know, why not? Mm -hmm. So he went to that retreat. And that retreat was actually a seminar um, in the life of the spirit. And he didn't know what that was. And in that, that first encounter with God, he had a strong experience that really questioned him about God about the church and uh, he was very curious from that first experience and everything that God did in him uh, in that retreat he started to grow you know Mm -hmm. and one day he was very restless with this feeling that he he had and he started sharing with his friends in a birthday party saying that hey, I have this idea and this is really growing my heart and I keep thinking about this and I would like to share with you about what you think. So he he started uh, saying that he would like to start like a pizza place to evangelize the young people. And I remind you, that was 1980. So we didn't have those many. We didn't have all those many places to do things like this. But he wanted to have a place to to hang out, to talk and to eat. And at the same time, to talk about God. 
And that's amazing because he was talking about something that we talk about today more so than we would have, I'm sure people would have done in the 1980s, which is to talk about evangelizing through building relationship. Exactly, exactly. And very interesting. One of the things that they thought the menu were all biblical words. So then people, they would get curious about what these things were because they were like Hebrew, Greek. Um, it was like mana, Adonai, uh, things like this. So people I would want ask, Evangelium pizza. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and then people would start asking and, and that would be an opportunity for them to have a conversation. And the main idea is that they would have chapel behind the the snack bar with the eucharist exposed and so wow they would talk Mm -hmm. and they would invite them to go to the chapel and pray and sometimes they would pray over the people and so this is how actually the community started but there is a very important piece here that i don't want to forget to say our founder, he was invited right before that time when he was after the Richard, when he was, all of these things were boiling inside him. Mm-hmm. He was invited uh, by someone in the, in the diocese in our city, which is also the city that I grew up in, uh, Fortaleza. And he was invited to meet a John Paul II, him and another girl, and he was asked to present a gift to the Pope. Wow. So they were invited to present the gifts to Pope John Paul II when he was in Brazil. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so he said that he thought and thought, oh, my gosh, what can I give to the Pope? You know, I'm sure that he could have a lot of things. He receives a lot of gifts. So what can I actually give to him? And he said that after a moment of prayer that he had, this inspiration came into his heart. He wrote a letter and he said that he would like to give his life to the church. Mm. And so he said that he, in that moment that he was meeting the Pope, he gave the letter Mm -hmm. and it was, he says that it was such a deep experience looking into the eyes of the Pope and giving that letter that he says that the community was actually founded in that moment, in that moment of offering, when he was offering his life to the church, Mm -hmm. to the Pope. And so many times he gets emotional when he shares that experience uh, because he said it was a very deep encounter with, with the Pope, with the Christ, right? With the, with the one Christ, as the the leader of our church right right Mm -hmm. so god was definitely in that moment i mean looking into the eyes of the pope and many people have said that being in the presence of pope john paul ii you felt that this was a a man of deep prayer uh, a man of faith so i can imagine his encounter was very similar to to those of others as well yeah and so after that everything continued he shared about all the snack bar idea it was really god's desire because he was 18 (laughs) his friends uh were also that same age you know it's not that they were rich or where they had a lot of stuff you know it was really like a desire to just start something from nothing and one person helped another helped and then, then they start building this and um on july 9th 1980 that was the first 
they that we count as the foundation of the of the community. But there is a little bit of uh, important history before that, like I mentioned before. Hi, this is Byron Lee of Superblink.org, and if you're hearing my voice right now, you're most likely a big fan of podcasts. You might even be thinking about starting your own. If you're on the fence about that, here's some statistics that might help you make up your mind. Did you know that 55% of the U.S. population has listened to a podcast in the last year? Podcasts are an excellent opportunity to take a deep dive into specific topics, interview people in your industry, or just chat with friends. For more information, visit superblink.org. This is amazing. Um, From a pizza place to now being in over 22 countries around the globe, having a communications ability, whether it's via TV, YouTube, radio, social media, and having prayer groups, you know, various ways of outreaching to people all around the globe. That is just an amazing thing. Now, for you in these early days, as you were growing up, what was that like? Yeah, I mean, the community has no boundaries to evangelize. So that's why it's really strong using all the ways, all the methods. We actually have the writings of the community, this phrase from Jim Paul II that says that for paraphrasing for the Lord, we use everything we have, you know, we, we evangelize with new methods, we evangelize with new creativity, we evangelize with new ways. And so we evangelize a lot through arts. And so you mentioned a lot of the things that the ways we use, but Lorna, the community also built a school. I had the opportunity to study in that school since, I don't know how you'd call that, because it would be right after kindergarten. So this would be first grade elementary school? Elementary school. Mm -hmm. So the school, it goes from elementary school until high school. Mm -hmm. And I studied there since the beginning of elementary school until the last year of middle school. And so it was a blessing for me, honestly, to be part of that school because all my friends, they were good influences. I had people that shared the same values of my parents, you know, Mm -hmm. we had parties together that would share the same values. You know, we would have sports in, uh, in the, the environment of the sports that we shared together. It was, they were very healthy the majority of the teachers I had throughout my whole life, they were members of the community that they dedicated their times besides their own regular jobs to be the math teacher, to be the biology teacher, because they were, for example, I remember my math teacher was my mother's friend who was a, a, he's, he's a great engineer, but he was also a math teacher in the school. And so even our teachers, they were people with a strong faith, you know, they were not just full of knowledge, but they they had also like this deep faith in the Lord. But one of the things that I love the most about the community is that uh, once a week, we would gather as a classroom in the chapel to have a moment of adoration. So we were learning since the beginning, the importance of adoring the Lord in the Eucharist, of 
going to the mass, not only with our families, but also in the school. Every morning we had the um, we had a like a, a kid's style of the liturgy of ours, the like the, the morning prayer. It was not exactly the same, but it was adapted. But we had that we had that moment together before our activities in the school would start. We had we would have that morning prayer. And so the whole school, the whole way of teaching had present the teachings of the church, had present the Lord, had present the importance of us kids learning how to pray, how to have a relationship with God. That's amazing because I know that thinking about families raising their children and sending their kids to school, but to have people who were teachers who mirrored the values and the faith sure was very important in helping you to strengthen your faith and grow deeper in your love for Jesus. So yeah, that sounds like an amazing learning environment and experience. Yeah. And you know what I just remembered? Uh, I remember there was a period of time that uh, my parents, my dad, he became the mayor in a small city in Brazil. Mm -hmm. It was not the city that we grew up in, but it was like one hour distance from this place. And my dad, he would go, he would have to be most of the time there. My mom, she would go a lot to be with him and at the same time with us. And we would spend our weekends there. Uh, But there were times that I was missing to be with my, my parents, you know, not they, I know they tried their best to be always present with me, but there were times that I wanted to be with them all the time, you know? Of course. Yeah. That's what kids want. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I, and I remember that sometimes I would go to the school and because uh, sometimes it was not my parents that were taking me to the school. Mm-hmm. I would cry and cry missing my parents because they were not there to, to, to take me to school, you know, mm-hmm. but I had teachers, the director of the school that many times they would take me to the chapel. They would pray over me until I would calm down until I was okay. And they would take me back to class, you know, it's comforting. Yeah. And I never, I never forget this because I remember, my gosh, in my little sorrow, like in my sorrow as a kid, they were presenting me God, you know, they were telling me, hey, God is your peace. Jesus Christ is your peace, you know, so I keep this until today. I hope all the people that I have with me would do the same for my daughter. You sure. know? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. That's a, that's such a beautiful witness of the community and you growing up in the community and them helping you to see that yes you're missing your parents but Jesus is here with you right now and praying with you and for you as well that is such a healthy way you know to help a child through through those very difficult moments so as you were growing up and you attended um, the school up until probably you were 13 14 yes yes until I was 14 so then you were out into the world, into different schools. And I'm sure that having this wonderful learning community, faith community helped you through those difficult moments of adolescence coming up. 
Yeah. After that, I went to another Catholic school. It was St. Cecilia School. It's a Catholic school, but it was a bigger school. We were exposed to more things. Uh, the Shalom School, it was a very little school, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, in this other school, I was exposed to more things. So obviously, I was 14 and 14. I think you're exposed to way more things uh, than when you were like just a little girl, like nine years old, you know? Yeah. And you're running and you're, you're meeting different people who aren't necessarily part of your community either. So exactly. But, you know, I think the fact that the base I had in Shalom school and obviously in my family really mm-hmm. built what was like very necessary for me to be in this other school not that this school was a bad school it was a good school but obviously I I had the opportunity to be exposed to things that I haven't seen before I wasn't around before but the fact that I had that solid foundation even even if I was only 14 years 14 years old going to this school that really made me aware of what is good and what is not good, you know? And I knew, even if at times I would choose to do things that were not in line with all the things that I learned, I knew. But it was all the foundation I had at Shalom School really helped me to to understand, you know, to understand what is right, what is wrong. Yeah. Now thinking about the foundations that... Shalom gave you and the school community gave you and your family gave you, you know, as you came through high school and went off to university and young adulthood, how did you discern that you wanted to become a missionary within the Shalom Catholic community? So I remember growing up actually admiring my mom who was part of the community and I would see her praying and I would see that sometimes she would close the door of her room and would say now I'm going to pray and this is a moment just between me and God and so these little things stuck with me, like her priority to God. We obviously, we were, uh, me and my brothers, we were priority in her life, but she had those moments that would teach me that she was with God. You know, that moment was her and God, or she would have moments where she would be serving in the ministries uh, in the community. One of her ministries during a time was to serve the poor. So we had in my city, many different houses that uh, we can serve. And one of them was to serve women that were abused. Um, Another one was she would be visiting the the woman in jail. Mm -hmm. And so I remember her doing these things over time or or to serve the sick and would visit the hospitals. I remember her doing these things and I would admire, you know, I would admire how she decided to do these things, even if I didn't fully understand everything, I had this admiration, you know, sometimes in the, in the appropriate time, she would, she would invite me to go with her. I've, I've never been during that time in a jail, but she would invite me to go with her to the hospital. (laughs) There was this one time that was close to Christmas and she asked me to dress as the Virgin Mary. (laughs) Going around the whole hospital with her. Each visiting each room and saying, Jesus is here. <laughs> I think I was like 
14, 13 years old, you know? <laughs> and all that brought me admiration, you know? And my dad was always a supportive to my mother. He would help her to do these things. And, and so all that grew, I think, over the years grew in me. And I, I wanted to have this relationship with God, you know, she taught me to have, and also the formation I had at school for me to have these moments with, with Christ too, to have my own notebook, um, my own Bible. And I would go to my room and I would pray, you know, so all these things, they taught me to, to want to give my life to Christ. Right. And so I had left high school and I was already in college. Uh, in Brazil, it's a little different because when we do college, we already have to choose our your major. Our major, yes. Yeah. So I was doing architecture and urban design, and there was a time in the community that a campaign came out for the for the young adults, and the name of the campaign was "Give Your Vacation to Christ." So we would basically go into another state uh, and spend there all of our vacation, like a little missionary time. And I decided to go. I was sent to uh, Florianopolis, which is south of Brazil, a beautiful place, uh, beautiful beaches, uh, amazing. But there in that place, I had such a strong experience with God doing that missionary work that I remember calling my mother towards the end of the trip. And I said, mom, I found my place. I'm not going back home. (laughs) (laughs) I think I was 18 years old. And uh, what did she say? Of course, she freaked out a little bit. because She said, what? (laughs) I told you that you're coming just for a period of time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, she said, you know what, Jamila, if the experience that you had with God there is authentic, you will come back home and you will discern to go really for a longer time. And I I, I accepted the challenge (laughs) because I wanted to prove her that my experience with God was authentic, was real. And I really wanted to, I really wanted to offer my life to God. And so when I came back, I said, you will see, this is not going to pass. And I'm really going to uh, go on a mission, like a longer mission. And so I started my discernment with the community. And uh, that was August. And at the end of the year, I wrote a letter to the community. That's usually the process that that we do it. Uh, I wrote a letter to the community asking to go on a mission. And uh, another letter I wrote asking to become a member of the community. Ah, so at that point you were not, you had not become an official member yet. No, I was just, I was just a curious person uh, trying to discern to, I mean, how I could offer my life to God, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I wrote the letter and then uh, I think a month later I got the answer and I... I was sent to go to Italy and I spent there about three years mm-hmm. and it was just an incredible time for me to serve God in another country. Mm-hmm. And there is more to that, but 
it was just incredible. It was just incredible an experience. And I discovered that that's what I wanted to do for the rest of my life there. So during that time in Italy, were you then an official member or were you kind of, you know, in religious life, they, they would say a postulant, someone who's just still discerning and the community is also discerning. Were you considered a member at that point or were they you and them just both considering this possibility at that time? Yeah, so I I was a postulant during that time and I actually became a disciple, which is the next level after your postulancy. I became a disciple when I was also in Italy. So we say that the, the postulants, they, they have entered the community but they have not made their full commitment, right? right. They, they are in this process of learning more and more what the community is. Because you have to take vows as well, correct? We actually take promises because mm-hmm. we are not a religious community. Uh, yes. We're, okay. we're a, a community of lay. Uh, we have priests too, but um, many of us, we are lay people. And so we take promises. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this first part of this conversation with Jamila Lima Pandolfo about growing up in the Shalom Catholic community in Brazil. You can hear the rest of this conversation in the next episode, which will air in two weeks. So stay tuned. Please let us know what you think about what you've been hearing on the show so far by leaving a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review will help other people discover the show. Voices from the Pews is produced by Lorna DeRose. Audio editing and post-production by Byron Lee. Music composed and performed by André Lui. Web hosting provided by Beyond the Brand. For more information about Voices from the Pews, please go to VoicesFromThePews.com. Thank you for listening. See you in two weeks.